Marketing can be an incredible force for good. It can also be complicated and confusing. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and my goal with this podcast is to bring clarity to the marketing chaos for you. You'll learn inspiring yet practical ways to think about marketing differently so you can do marketing differently and get better results with less stress and more joy for you and your team. Motivation is for the mind and inspiration is for the heart. Marketing for good takes both. Welcome to a whole new way of thinking and doing marketing. Welcome to Marketing for Good. Have you ever had the experience where you think that you're like decently good at something and then you learn maybe not not so much actually? I had that experience in this interview when Deborah told me the metric for whether or not you are like a power user for LinkedIn. Now, Deborah is the LinkedIn black belt. Deborah knows so much about LinkedIn. It's absolutely incredible. And she is so generous with what she shares about it. And her advice is both strategic and also ultra, ultra practical. She was kind enough to create a LinkedIn cheat for Marketing for Good listeners. So definitely go get that. Don't worry. You don't need to do all of it. Pick a few work through the list over time. I did want to share one thing because it happened after we stopped recording, but I had noticed that Deborah lives in Tampa, but in her LinkedIn profile, it said New York City. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. So I asked her about it. And she said, you know, you don't need to put your physical location. You want to use every single scrap of real estate in LinkedIn strategically. So for her, she her target audience is mainly leaders and CEOs. So New York City has per capita the most leaders and CEOs in the country. So she put New York knowing that she would show up in way more search results just by nature of how many there are in New York versus, you know, even where I am in Seattle. I was like, that's genius. That's the type of goodness you're going to get throughout this whole episode. She has really excellent tips for organizations in general, nonprofits in particular. Little tidbit about how to make your volunteers into ambassadors on LinkedIn that I really loved. And then at the end, she gets into how to make LinkedIn and your LinkedIn profiles, both personally and then also for uh, your organizations and companies, more inclusive. So to really bring in our commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion on LinkedIn. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. I learned so much and it was just super energized by the whole conversation. So here you go, my interview with the LinkedIn black belt, Deborah Ashley. Welcome to the show, Deborah. I am very excited to have you here to talk to us about LinkedIn and inclusion and lots of other things today. So thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me on, Erica. I am super excited too. Good. So your tag, I'm going to call it a tagline, but when I was looking at your LinkedIn profile, I don't know if you consider it a tagline, but it says humanizing brands, connecting people. And I feel like there's a story behind that tagline maybe, but can you share with us how, you know, how you ended up on that tagline and being the LinkedIn black belts and kind of, you know, how'd you get here? Absolutely. Well, you know, I I came from a a 20 year corporate marketing background. So about four, around 45, I decided that I'm kind of bored with what I'm doing. And I decided to explore what else there was out there for me. So I had, you know, I had quite a, a good amount of success in the corporate world. And of course, it was helping the companies to build brand awareness, but I wanted to do it on a different level. So I discovered this entire world online of business owners who are brilliant at what they do, but they're just not that great at marketing what they do. So of course, I came online. I had all the different things that happen when you first come into a space that's unknown to you, imposter syndrome, all of that other stuff. And I started to share from a point of what I'm used to, which is that corporate speak, right? So, you know, people were enjoying my content, but it didn't hit me what I was doing until one day someone said, well, you're online now, you can take off your pearls. (gasps) (laughs) Oh, that's so good. Yeah. I've never necessarily worn pearls, but I got it. So it's that's... That's a little bit of genius right there. You can yeah. take off your pearls. Okay. Exactly. It's not even about, you know, this whole formal way of approaching people. 
It's about being that friend and having conversations like you would with your friends because naturally people gravitate towards people they find a connection with, right? Yeah. Um, that's how you humanize your brand and obviously connecting people is that way. It's, it's done that way too. So this LinkedIn black belt title was assigned to me because if we think about, and like I mentioned, imposter syndrome, all of that stuff hit me. I just know that I'm sharing what I know and, and how things work, but I don't necessarily, at least in the past, I didn't necessarily see myself as an expert. So I would hear people saying different things like, you are the queen of LinkedIn with the content I was sharing, and you're the LinkedIn black belt, like you have this black belt on LinkedIn. And I was like, that actually, I like that, it sticks. <laughs> I think everyone should, especially when we think about LinkedIn, everyone should have this little aspect that they you know, like a tagline or a name that people remind them um, from because it's, it's easier to relate that way. Yeah. And we'll get into this more, but when, when somebody searches for you, like the, your profile URL is linkedin.com backslash LinkedIn black belt. Right. Yeah. As opposed to your name. Exactly. There's a slight shift though, because LinkedIn doesn't allow you to use their intellectual property, which makes sense as it. So it's the link black belt. But if someone searches hashtag the LinkedIn black belt anywhere, Google or through anything, they're going to find me. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So good. And you, you, you have your MBA. So you, I mean, you have like a very businessy background, have this corporate career. And then how long ago was it that you transitioned to being the LinkedIn? About six years ago. Six years ago. Okay. Yeah, six years ago. Okay. So it took me about a year to figure out that although I was connecting with people, they wanted to know more about me versus my content. And then you took off the pearls. I took off the pearls. <laughs> <laughs> I took off the pearls after someone told me to take off the pearls. <laughs> and it's, it's been good since then. <laughs> was there a sense for you that you wanted to take off your pearls, but something was holding you back from doing that? Or was it more like, this is a strategy you knew, was this very corporate speak? I'm just, I'm curious if there was anything holding you back and that that person kind of gave you permission or if you just hadn't seen it that way. Right. It's interesting, right? Yeah. I almost didn't even see it that way. I was just stepping into what I was used to because this is like, you know, this is the new version of my nine to five. So as I'm having conversations with business people, this is how we, we, we talk about things. But these are still just, you know, your regular everyday people, not necessarily, you know, your corporate business people. So I think it, in a way it gave me permission, but like I said, I didn't know that I was doing that. And I didn't realize that because everyone's always, you know, especially as a speaker. So I, I, you know, I'll tell you the story too of how I started speaking and they always tell you there, you can't say um, and you can't say certain things. So I just thought there were, it was an unwritten language that you couldn't use online. So yeah, that was my permission. Love it. Okay. So in 2019, we're recording this in 2020, you did LinkedIn assessments for over 800 executives and founders. Right. And what you found was, and I'm quoting directly from your LinkedIn profile, is that they see value in LinkedIn, but they don't know how to optimize it to unlock opportunities. So to my ear, that sounds sort of like a classic no-do gap, like K-N-O-W. Like right. you know something, but you can't or aren't, maybe because you need a permission slip to do something. So you were doing everything there is to do on LinkedIn because you were ranked in the top 1% of LinkedIn users. Mm -hmm. So I do want to dive into like the specifics of how to optimize it, but I'm curious one, why do you, why do you think that no do gap exists? Like if folks can see it and know that there are opportunities, what's holding them back? Well, I think it's more about similar to what I had. I was speaking with the CMO this morning and you know, although they want to build their personal brand and they know it's important, they don't want to be too casual. So when I said to her, users will connect with you with your content when you're taking it from a casual standpoint, I think her definition of casual was a lot different than what I see as casual. So then she pointed out someone who is what we consider an influencer in her market. I always say, you know, we, we, we have influencers all over social media. It's not necessarily about who you think is an influencer for you, but who does your audience see as an influencer? So she pointed that out to me today and she said, well, if you look at her content, it's more formal. She's also former president of a very large Fortune 500 company. So she has a lot of pull. 
So we went through her content and I said, actually, she is very casual. You can see there's three main concepts that she speaks about. And it's about helping young women see that you can have opportunities and, you know, no matter what, nothing will hold you back from the opportunities you desire. Mm. Um, Another thing that we saw about this person who she thought was more formal, that she's definitely a feminist. She shares books that she's reading and it had the word feminist in the title. So, you know, to me, that's casual. I'm having conversations with my friends. This is the latest book I'm reading. And this is the reason why I like the book. So she was able to relax a little bit because she said, okay, these, it is something that I discuss every day with friends, but I didn't know I could use it on LinkedIn. So it's it, like you said, it's more the permission based. Yeah. 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 Well, and you use the word relaxed, which is, you know, you can sort of see people go like, oh, I can do this. That's not, that's not so scary. That's, that's easier, right? That's like more of a path of least resistance. Right, exactly. I, don't know. I think there's a tendency to build up things on social media because so many folks are doing it in a way that's like kind of highly produced and everything's perfect. And um, there's a little bit of tension, you know, between this idea of highly produced, everything was perfect. And like people want you to, to actually be human. Right. And particularly for executives and executives, you know, of a certain age, I think the, the zoomers and millennials get this a bit more intuitively. Mm-hmm. And I'm Gen Xer. I think we struggle a bit more with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Cause there used to be those brighter lines between personal and professional. Um, and I think it's part of the reason I find LinkedIn really interesting, which is it, it does sort of call, call you to think about how you want to show up and what it means to be professional yet human. And how are you going to balance all those things? So how's LinkedIn different? Help us think about like, and understand how's LinkedIn different than other social media platforms. Well, when you think about LinkedIn, how it was designed and why it was designed, obviously it's no longer just about resumes and recruiters, but it was designed to be an online platform for networking. So that's all that is done. When you, when you go to Facebook, yes, there's aspects of Facebook that you're using for business, but most people are, who are using Facebook, you know, they connected for people, to people for a reason. So they connected to them to see maybe, let's see how the kids are doing. And, and yeah. you got married. It's, we can see some wedding photos, you know, things like that. But when we go onto LinkedIn, it's very specific to, this is where I'm going to go to not only share my thought leadership, but to connect with the people who are looking for the type of business that I have. An aspect of that too, when we kind of like think about LinkedIn, obviously it's not necessarily about showing pictures of your kids, but now with the pandemic, things have changed. So, you know, we have people who are graduating, they've spent like, you know, whether years in medical school or parents with their kids with, you know, four years in college and they can't celebrate. So now it's kind of cool that they can share with their colleagues at work through LinkedIn that look at what my, my child has achieved and they get a ton of engagement from oh, that. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it gives me the chills just talking about it because I can't imagine being a parent that you've worked that hard to like put your kids to a school and they can't even have a graduation ceremony, like a traditional one, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know. I, I'm a teaching professor at the University of Washington and so I teach undergrad, but I teach a, a course for our second year students or capstone. So I get to know them deeply because it's a six month deal. And, you know, they didn't get to walk. And, you know, the Evans School, which is where I work, uh, did a wonderful job with an online version of that. But it's right. still, it's not the same. Yeah. You know, especially is. for first generation students, like, oh gosh, just to not have that moment um, was okay. heartbreaking. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Who knows what's going to happen in the future, right? We don't know. But this is like this was their moment. So this was their moment. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing now that we know is that we don't know. So if ever there was a question mark about that, I think now there's no more question mark about that. Right. Right. So you touched on this a little bit, but I'm curious if you can give us a little more insight into what holds people back. So specific to thought leadership, which is one way to use LinkedIn, what holds people back? back from sharing their thought leadership on LinkedIn? I mean, maybe in general, what holds people back if you have opinions about that? And then specifically on LinkedIn, what holds people yeah, back? Yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's the fear of saying or doing the wrong things, right? Mm. You know, and it depends. There's a piece of it. You're doing it for your own personal brand, and then you're also doing it to stand out uh, within your company. So if you're, when we think about whether the nonprofit or for-profit, 
there are certain things in certain industries that you just cannot say. So what if you mess up? What if that audience member that's been watching you for a while that you're connected uh, with doesn't necessarily agree with everything that you share? So I think those are the main things that will stop people from doing it because they just don't want to mess up. Um, specifically on LinkedIn, now it's about that brand voice. What voice do I want for LinkedIn? Like who? And to me, it's like, it's your voice. It's, it's who you are naturally. Um, but that's the biggest question I get. And I, you know. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's the biggest question I get that I don't know how to share my voice on LinkedIn. And it's, a, it's the whole preconceived notion of what LinkedIn is. Are these people who are comfortable or, or are sharing their their thought leadership on other platforms and then they like get stuck when they're trying to train? Oh, that's fascinating. On Twitter, they have no problem. And I've, I've uh, two weeks ago, um, I spoke to at least 20 executives, between executives, founders, different people, um, someone from Facebook, someone from Indeed, different companies, just for my own research, something I was doing. And they told me they have no problem sharing their thoughts on Twitter. They almost don't feel tied to their organization through Twitter, but on LinkedIn, they do. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I want to make sure I'm understanding this because from a psychology perspective, this is fascinating, which is there's something about Twitter that feels like kind of more their own and like they won't mess up on behalf of the company. Whereas in the environment of LinkedIn, that feels very tied to their company or organization and therefore they're worried about messing up. Exactly. Oh, wow. Almost to when I, they didn't mention this, but I almost wonder maybe because they have more colleagues who are on LinkedIn because Twitter is almost, also, Twitter is very complicated. I, I use that in the beginning of my you know, online career, but it, it's complicated so people stay away. But LinkedIn, once you get into it, it's, it's a flow, right? Yeah, Twitter's noisy. Yeah, it's noisy and it's fast and yeah. So that is, yeah, that is, it's fascinating. I love human psychology and it's, it's an interesting thing to even think about. Yes. Okay. So you have an amazing LinkedIn profile, clearly. Do you mind if we walk through your LinkedIn profile and you can like explain to us what's going on? I like, I kind of fancy myself, you know, a decently good LinkedIn user, clearly not a black belt. And I was like, I wonder why she does that. I wonder why she does that. So Okay, can we take a look? I'm going to share my screen for folks who are watching on video. Or, okie doke. Here we are. Okay. Um, and again, calling attention to the fact that I put in your name, and then it takes me to this, the linked black belt. Right. So the very first thing, if we want to start with the URL, when you first join LinkedIn, what's going to happen? It does LinkedIn.com slash I-N, and it has your, like if you're a first and last name, it has a dash in between and then a whole bunch of numbers after that. In order to kind of personalize your brand, you want to switch that to something specific, but it's something that you, you pretty much use throughout social media. So it can be your first and last name, but something that's very unique to you. If your name is a pretty popular name, like Christian Smith or something like that, then you may have to find something else, but you don't want people to search for you. And then they find about 30 different people with the same name because now you've lost them, right? Right, right. So that's where to start. Now I can tell you about two weeks ago, I had a, di- a completely different banner image, okay. but, it, but the banner image was more about, it was words, it, it's different words that I do. So it was, um, you know, gain your competitive advantage, LinkedIn training. This time I decided, because I want to focus more on doing it's virtual training at this point, but virtual training and speaking engagement. So the image pretty much yep. shows this is exactly what I do and I've done it for others in the past. That's your social proof. So if you have something that you've done in the past and you want to position yourself as an expert in that space, let that banner image be the, the place you put it because you have about three seconds for someone when they come to your profile to make a decision whether they want to go further or not. Okay. Three seconds. So yeah. Three seconds. Time. Time bar. <laughs> one, th- one thing I okay, so that even your name, Deborah Ashley, MBA, and then in parentheses, elevate and scale, mm-hmm. close parent for our podcast listeners, and then dash marketing strategy. So not just your name, like you are packing a lot into this sort of title area. Right. So what's gonna happen? Part of the reason when you think about LinkedIn in, in itself, just like Google is a search engine, LinkedIn is a search engine. Oh. 
So at any given point, someone's going to necessarily, they'll search for marketing strategist or marketing strategy, New York, anything else. And you want to make sure that your name comes up on top. So you're putting that, not everyone has to do it this way, but you want to at least put that, what you do in your headline and your um, about section. But let's go into the, how I set up my name. So when we click on that pencil, that's pretty much how to update your name. I have my first and last name in my first name column, and I have marketing strategy in my last name column. Got it. Yeah. So when, when I engage in content, when I'm in other people's, when I'm, so we think about a networking event. When I start having conversations and I enter a conversation that's already taken place in someone else's feed, people will automatically see what I do. They don't have to guess just by my name. And they may get curious, and then that's when the, the whole goal is to lead people back to your profile. Your profile is kind of like, like the funnel. And so I'm hearing two things just in the name section. One is to help with search engine optimization, mm-hmm. and then also to like take away any uncertainty somebody might have about what you want to be known for. Right. Yeah. Okay. And then underneath it, you have helping leaders and brands stand out as industry experts to win new best business. And then this very kind of groovy forward arrow <laughs> linked in marketing strategist, consultant and trainer, another groovy arrow, and then 20 plus years brand building. I've never seen a groovy arrow. It's under, um, you just do arrow character and you can find it in, on, you know, on Google on any of those. Um, but you can, for you, you can do like a podcast mic. Oh, yes, I could. Yeah. Yeah. So you can do mic emoji and then you'll find it in Google. So with the headline area, it's really about same thing when you're engaging in someone else's feed, because more than anything, you're going to get connected to more people when you engage with others. Yeah. Yeah. Typically, what they see, first of all, is helping leaders and brands stand out. Everything else will be cut cut off when I'm engaging on someone's post. So what's going to happen now? They're going to get they're going to get curious again because human nature makes people get curious, and the way to do it is to make sure that you're leaving very relevant remarks. Um, you see people say "cool" and "thank you" on the post. It doesn't make you stand out, but if you share something that's very relevant, then it's going to make you really stand out. So I just scrolled down to see your activity, mm-hmm. just so that folks have a little example of that one. Yeah, I think the one with 100 videos will be a good one to share because we started having conversation. If you click on, yeah. Oh, what I learned from posting 100 LinkedIn videos. Okay, and this is a Dr. Brian Harmon. And so... Yeah. If you scroll down to my comment, it, hopefully it's right on top. Yep, there is. we are. Yeah. So if you notice, the you see right underneath my name? Yep. Okay, great. Yeah. Yeah. So what folks are seeing is... Deborah Ashley, MBA, and then helping leaders and brands stand out as industry experts to win new busy. Dot, dot, dot. Right. <laughs> so, so really six to six to seven words. If that's their goal, they will take a look at my profile. Plus, I also engage the person who yeah. shared the comment by asking him a question. And I'm sure other people had that question. They just didn't ask. So your question was, uh, you said, amazing accomplishment, Dr. Brian Harmon, what app did you use to make this? He said, Canva. You said, thank you. I should have known that. So there's, it's a conversation. It's human. Right. I'm, it's at, human. I'm at a networking event online and we're having a conversation. Yeah. Oh, that's a great way to think about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's go back to your amazing profile. Here we are. So there's some stuff that is put in there. Okay. Let's talk about your about section. Sure. So your goal, especially with the very first line of your about section, because we at this point have an attention of a gnat (laughs) or a mosquito, the whole goal of that very first line, because before you open this, you're only able to see the first two lines. The goal is to get other people to, to read the next line and doing that, they have to open it. So now you're going to call attention to something very specific that they're either concerned about or that they have a question about. So asking a question because our brains are hardwired to want to answer questions is probably a good way. But it sounds like the job of this first sentence is to get people to click the more button and then read the rest of it. Absolutely. Okay. Now I'm almost telling them that this is the reason you're going to want to listen to me. And people are always going to be intrigued by the fact that I have done all of those LinkedIn assessments 
They want to know what it would mean to them and what what can they do to fix their own profile? Because that's kind of like where it starts. Yeah, yeah. And then you go through, I mean, you make it easy, right? As a consultant, here's all these things. As a trainer, here's all these things. Right. My expertise is your secret weapon. Precisely. Proof points. My 25 plus years of experience include crafting innovative campaigns for brands and steering marketing development for startups across a broad range of industries. Da, 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 da. Right. And then next steps. So I've never seen this before. Talk to us about this. This is your fourth bullet. Next steps. So next steps, I just want them to self-select. Some people may not need the full consulting with me. They just want their profile to be overhauled. And when we think about, see, the CEOs or executives, they don't necessarily use LinkedIn, but their profile has not been changed in 10 years. Right. So their, you know, their teams may say, okay, if she, and I'm pretty much letting them know specifically, this is exactly what I do. Right. And then this is how you can, you know, you can connect with me. So for listeners, under next steps, it says, I focus on a holistic approach to marketing born from a place of client obsession, which is like, I, you're like, well, I want her to obsess about me. That sounds fantastic. Authenticity and integrity. If this is you, let's chat. And then you have three calls to action so they can kind of choose their own adventure. Inquiry for consulting, contact information, LinkedIn profile overhaul, contact information, and then speaking and training requests. Right. Yeah. And I, I shared that information about this is who I want to work with. This is who I don't want to work with. So you get to self-select. If you're the type of organization or the type of business that everything's about sale, 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 as soon as we connect, you want to pitch me in your inbox, then I can't help you because <laughs> that's not what I do. So I want to be very clear about the type of people I, I help because I've made the mistake earlier on on taking the, on the wrong clients and they ended up being night clients. So Yeah. Because I've been consulting for so long, I get questions, right, from folks who are just getting into the field. I'm sure you do too. And my biggest piece of advice is to just remind yourself that your no's are as important as your, probably more important than your yeses, your early yeses, because, because it's, for a lot of people, it's going to be referral and word of mouth. And so if you take on a project, and this makes total sense, especially now we're all a bit worried. So you'll take on work that isn't necessarily the it's work you can do, but it's not the work you want to do. Well, then if you do a great job, then you're getting referred for work that you don't actually want to do. Absolutely. So as hard as those early no's are, they are so important. Yeah. Um, you will get, you will get the, the projects you want faster if you can like be brave enough to say no. Absolutely. Oh, that's tough though. Okay. And then they have the featured stuff, which is automatic. Now, if we go under experience, when the name of your company, which we haven't mentioned next is Thrivu Marketing. Did mm -hmm. I say that right? You did. So that's great. More Thank you. Say, more people say something different. I, I'm amazed. Thank you. Thrivu Marketing. I like the way it looks. I like the way it sounds. I was like, oh, good. That's fun. And then under this also, again, just the way you have this, it's like, yet again, I know exactly what you are offering. LinkedIn Strategy Consulting, Employee Profile Overhaul, Strategic Partnerships. All keywords. And what I'm doing there, I'm just doing, I'm putting keywords in. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then you have, is this based on, not so, uh, so, so sort of timeline, but you have these, these sub bullets underneath Thrivu. Right. So this is, I typically share this in, in my workshops. If you are looking to uh, position yourself as a speaker, you should have a specific separate almost like a job experience area that just says you're a speaker. Then you're going to outline what you speak about, where you've spoken before, even links to if you've been on podcasts. So when someone searches for a speaker, your keywords will now come up. Okay. And that's exactly what you've done here. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> LinkedIn speaker, corporate speaker, corporate trainer. And those are all keywords, I'm guessing. That they would search. Oh, okay. If you mm -hmm. want to go up a, a, a few bumps, I'm going to show you something that, well, you may not see it on your end, actually, you won't, right? You'll see it on your profile. You know where it says um, the number of searches this past week? It's really the past seven days. Oh, right. So it's usually, yeah. That's where typically you want that number to be over 500. That means your profile is fully optimized. Okay. Yeah. 500? Yeah. So I can tell you, let me check on my phone. I have a little over a thousand searches based on my skill set this past week. 
So if you click that area, you can see what company those people are working at that did the search, what their titles were, and what specific keywords they searched for to find you. Right. Yeah. Okay. I think in general, I show up in like maybe a hundred. So clearly I have a long ways to go. <laughs> you lots of opportunity. Yeah. Lots of for improvement. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's a great, but what a great benchmarking thing. Okay. So listeners, if you're listening, when you look at your LinkedIn profile and you're logged in as you, uh, if you're looking at it, it would be kind of, it would be over here on the side, on the left-hand side. And it's going to tell you how many searches you showed up in that. For, so you said per week, we want to be aiming for 500. That means we're fully optimized. Yeah, it, it should at least, at least 500. So it's going to say your private dashboard, typically right underneath the feature area. Okay. A private dashboard. And all you have to do is click it. And sometimes like initially when I first started doing this, it would have so many random keywords like fitness and coach. And, and I said to myself, no, that's not <laughs> where be showing up. Um, so you just have to play around with it. You know, marketing is all about testing what works and tweaking and then moving forward with it. Experiment, experiment, experiment. Exactly. Okay. Anything else that you want to draw attention to that the neophytes among us may not know that you have done on your profile? One thing that's going to be super important, your testimonial area, that's right at the very bottom. You want to make sure that you have at least two newer relevant testimonials within the past six months. People care about that a lot more than they care about the skills area because anyone can um, check off your skills, right? Right. It's right. the people that you either worked with or you've either impacted to leave you a specific testimonial. And when I always, you know, share about testimonials or not, oh, Erica is an amazing person. She did a great job. I love her podcast. It's more about before I found Erica online, this is where I was. Now that I have listened to her podcast and I've gained her insight, this is what the result of what has happened based on our work together. So the transformation that has occurred. Absolutely. Yeah. Now you don't have to answer this necessarily, but if you want to, I'm curious, okay. do you write a proposed testimonial and then have folks edit or do you just let them freeform? So two, yeah, two options. So what I'll say, and I, I, I share this anyway, I will initially, it depends on who the person is. I'll initially say um, like, for example, Hey, Michelle, I'd love for you to write a testimonial about the workshop that you attended, you know, that I hosted. Specifically, I'd love for you to share, you know, where you were in the process before, what you're doing now, and what result has happened since our work together. Got it. Okay. So a little like leading the horse to the water. Absolutely. If I don't hear from them in three days, <laughs> I will then reach out and say, and you know, people get busy. So maybe they there's do. something else going on. I say, hey, you know, if you're busy, if you want, I can kind of share something that someone else has written and you can take from that and insert what you need. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. So like a, a double down strategy, but yeah, initially just like, hey, this is generally what I would like. And then helping them move towards something with more specifics in the follow up. Right. Because a lot of times, I mean, when you think about it, it's not even that they don't want to write you a profile. Now it's always about what if I say the wrong, I don't want to mess up or I don't even know how to put into words, especially if we, you know, I have a lot of people who have very analytical backgrounds, your mm -hmm. engineers and your attorneys. Well, not, well, yeah. And they, and they make it very formal versus very personal. So that's why I kind of have to coach them a little bit. And it's, so it's completely okay. Yeah. Back it. to that theme of being human. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to stop sharing my screen at this okay. point. That was fun, a mini class in between. <laughs> it was like a mini class. I loved it. Thank you. I learned a ton, as I knew I would. Um, so we've talked a lot about LinkedIn from the personal perspective, like my, you know, a personal LinkedIn profile. Right. I want to transition so that um, you can share with listeners and viewers kind of how to think about it from uh, like a company or organization perspective. That, yeah. Wonderful. So, okay, obviously let's focus kind of on the nonprofit area. I identified a few people who are doing it excellently. Oh, good. I identified those people who are doing it a great job. Obviously we already know the, uh, you know, American Heart Associations of the world. They have a team that's going to do, they want, they're going to do it an amazing way, but I want to share what's making it amazing for them. 
another group, the ICF, International Coach Federation. Oh, okay. Yeah. They also have obviously a great base on LinkedIn. So I'm surprised. I, I, I didn't realize they were on LinkedIn too, but I can identify some of the things that they're doing very well. So when we think about the content they're, put, they're putting out, you want to use obviously your company page, but you also want to use the personal page and build brand ambassadors. So your brand ambassadors could be your volunteers, they could be your current employees, and they can be, you know, potentially your members. Obviously, it has to be someone who are, who's already on LinkedIn. So if we are using brand ambassadors, the first thing that we want to focus on is making sure that their LinkedIn profile is optimized. Because okay. no matter what, even if they now share content from the company page where a lot of the content should originate, they're sharing it to their feed. People will get um, interested in what they're saying and they will go right back to their profile. The profile doesn't necessarily have to speak to, like for example, the American Heart Association, it doesn't have to speak to their vision and mission, but it should at least align if they call themselves volunteers. So are you just, just to make sure I'm tracking, like the, so like the Heart Association might reach out to their volunteers, which I would guess they have a lot, mm -hmm. and say, do like do they give them tips like hey here are three things that you could do to really help us spread the word like three changes on your linkedin profile or something like that yeah they could do that um see i, I would more say because their profile has to be done already so yeah whether someone internally on their team would do it um or help them with it with a yeah like a guided booklet it's not going to be necessarily about the american heart association but it's going to be about their love of giving back and charities and one wow. of the interests because you have that section on your profile that has interests mm -hmm. really one of the interests should be american heart association oh okay that's so the that's way a good specific tip oh uh, yeah <laughs> very specific yeah one of the ways that the american heart association for example or any nonprofit can get their volunteers to share we can do like a volunteer of the week or volunteer of the month that's highlighted on the company page. And this now is gonna kind of go into, I know, you know, there's a little, uh, inclusive marketing is gonna be very important, especially with nonprofits. Now we wanna make sure that we're highlighting everyone within the organization. So whether they're volunteers, whether they're members, anything else, because if you're looking to recruit more volunteers or you're looking to fundraise or you're looking to bring in more people, with a diverse audience, you want to make sure that you're showing that diversity that's already going on within your organization. Yes. And you do that through your content. Okay. You, you know, where my mind goes is so many organizations, nonprofits do a newsletter, electronic or print, whatever. And there's sort of a spotlight section. So it sounds like a pretty easy thing to do would be to just take that if you're doing that and bring that onto LinkedIn as well. Absolutely. Bring that onto LinkedIn. Something else that I've seen that's, you know, it, it, it's relatable. They do many interviews with them too. So clearly just like we're doing an interview, it's, it's, it's from the comfort of your own home, but they do like a 90 second spot with them. Almost like, why did you volunteer? What are you getting out of it? Yeah. Yeah. Many testimonial being done right online. So it depends on your goals. So the biggest thing is to figure out what are your goals yeah. for your organization and how can you now use LinkedIn as a tool to, to make it happen? Yeah. So when I teach marketing, I have the super simple method, the Claxon method, which starts with what does success look like? Mm -hmm. um, so what are your goals? And then, and then who's the target audience? And then LinkedIn would be a how. So then it's how are you going to reach them? Do you think, I mean, what's your opinion? Obviously you're um, predisposed to being a fan of LinkedIn, <laughs> but I'm curious, are there, are there companies or organizations for whom like this just wouldn't be a fit? Like their audience isn't there. And so why bother optimizing? I can't, well, it's hard to name the company. I would say go to where your audience hangs out. So yeah. if you understand who your client, your potential clients are, or your audience, then you're going to, you know, you're going to focus on whether it's LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter. So I can't think of one right off the bat, but the other, there's, there's probably several. Yeah. Are yeah. Not a good fit. Mm -hmm. I'm, so I'm sort of smirking because so I teach and, you know, most of my students are a bit, they're younger. So more in the millennials, some zoomers now. Mm -hmm. And whenever I talk about LinkedIn, they're like, Oh, LinkedIn. You know, like there's not a lot of enthusiasm. I'm like, here's the deal. Like 
the people who are going to think about hiring you, you may not love LinkedIn, but they're using it. So okay. you kind of have to be there. Right. So I think LinkedIn is a bit unique in that way. Mm -hmm. It's like that, that overlap between personal professional, you know, in other instances, like if you don't like Facebook, don't be on Facebook. If you don't like Twitter, don't, you know, don't be on Twitter. Like nobody's forcing you to do these things, but there is a piece about LinkedIn, which is like, if your target audience is somebody who's going to be hiring you, then you need to be on LinkedIn. And then you need to listen to Deborah, who's going to tell you how to optimize. Absolutely. Yeah, they yeah. have. To. So why are they, why do they groan about it? It's just because it's, it's too boring for them. That's for old people. Okay. <laughs> yeah, totally. They're like, oh, but, you know, because it's not where they naturally convene online. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. they're on Insta, they're on Snap. Right. You know, they're on TikTok. They don't yeah. realize, though, they could make it fun. So they could go on LinkedIn and they can, they can share just from a place of this is how I use TikTok. This is oh, how yeah. you can use TikTok. So they can go on there and they can now position themselves as like an expert on TikTok and then an organization. I mean, maybe they're not even going to school for that, but who knows? An organization can pay them $100,000 a year just to tell them how to use TikTok. So, so true. And so I have a son who's 12 mm -hmm. and he definitely is a pretty active TikTok user, but increasingly what he, what he's using it for is to find like to experiment with recipes nice right yeah. and so yeah. i think this is fantastic of course i love cooking and like just as i guess i mentioned that because people think of tiktok as like kind of patently silly like right. this is such a generational stereotypical thing mm -hmm. gen xers and older are like tick what you know kind of like what why, why would you yell that? that but there is this you know and i really appreciate you pointing out like where these things can converge mm -hmm. in a really cool way because i was a little reticent about tiktok you know like really you're gonna spend your time doing tiktok videos this is how that okay but one it's kind of cute i also have an almost 16 year old daughter and so they'll make and she's a dancer so they'll make tiktok videos together oh that's but fun. he is becoming a good little cook because of tiktok right so that's a silly example but I really love this idea that you offered to, you know, I'm thinking college age and whatever. Yeah. To like establish yourself. And if you had a specific area of expertise, mm -hmm. you could blend the two. So if you're interested in environmental, you know, issues, climate change or whatever, you could actually look for videos on TikTok about that and then bring that in. Oh, that's, that's fun. And your son even, now let's get him to make money. Your son could now work with some food, you know, we have that food as medicine type of companies yes. and they could send like, this is for me. I, I you know, I, when I was younger, I said I wanted to be a food critic so I can, I can get free meals to write about. Um, but so they could start to sponsor him and they could send him food in order to do TikTok videos about, you know, different, there's different things that you can do with it. So many different things. Yeah. But then he would, he would meet them either on Instagram or, or LinkedIn. So he would meet those people there and then they would bring him in as an influencer, depending on how you know large his account is. So totally going to talk to him about this. He doesn't post as much. He's more like a consumer as uh -huh. opposed to a producer. Uh, I will say though, our family is pretty well known for our chocolate chip cookies. We make very good chocolate chip cookies, and uh, the evolution of that happened over the weekend because of TikTok, which it turns out you can put your cookie dough into the waffle maker. I didn't uh -huh. think about that, but you're right. Oh, it's delicious. <laughs> oh, no. A little ice cream on top on cheat day. Oh, it was, I was like, oh, this is the best thing ever. So that gives you a lot of insight into our weekend. <laughs> I'm excited about that. I never thought about it, but yeah, waffle maker. For sure. Waffle maker. Mm. And yeah, anyway, it's faster. There was a lot of perks to the waffle maker approach. We touched on this, but I want to make sure that we come back to it. And we're actually, we're talking about it a little bit here, which is this idea of inclusion. Mm -hmm. We were just talking about it sort of in terms of age, but you know, how can companies and organizations be more inclusive in their marketing in general? Right. Uh, and then in LinkedIn in particular. Yeah, I think the big thing, and you know, obviously with everything going on with um, a bigger focus now on diversity and inclusion, because it was always there, but it's, it's really urgent for companies now. I think the importance is, and this can be all around the LinkedIn profile and your presence, you know, there's a difference between, and I've seen this on Instagram, which makes me cringe a little bit, 
it's not necessarily put in um, my face on one of your, your LinkedIn or Instagram posts when you don't necessarily know me and it's not relevant, but it's about having that conversation about why it's important to you and maybe even admitting that in the past, this wasn't something that you thought about. And yes, I've messed up and we overlooked it, but this is how we are working at this point in order to make sure that things change. You know, it's going to be important, especially if we think about nonprofits and recruiting the right board members, mm-hmm. other yeah. organizations and recruiting VPs, because if now they go to your profile, your, just your social media presence in general, LinkedIn or anywhere else, and they don't see anything that speaks to them or they don't see people that look like them, then either when they get in that interview, they will be hammering you with questions or they may not want to even, you know, be associated at all. Yeah, it's not going to feel authentic. No. Like no. you can't just write in, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion statement, put it on your website and then say like, look. We have it there. It's we have it there. Yeah. I really appreciate your point about boards of directors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. But but also I hope the listeners and viewers will really hear your point about owning the messing up that may have happened in the past. Right. We can't, revisionist history isn't going to serve us going forward. And this loops back to a theme that's been kind of coming up and what you're saying around being human and humans fail. Absolutely. And that's super scary. And yet, if, if we're going to move forward and you're truly going to be inclusive, you know, that's a bit of bravery that has to happen. Right. And it's, it's, it's almost like a sales and marketing call. When we think about sales and a sales call, they may be, they're probably thinking about it already. You've never talked about this in the past. How do I know this is something different? So why not address it right now? So now any objections they possibly have, you're just putting it out on the table and people appreciate that. They do. Yeah. And it's scary. Get it. I mean, I'll, you know, speaking as a white woman, uh, yes, have messed up a lot. Also, when it comes to marketing, and there's been a couple other podcasts about this, just being so mindful of the implicit bias that you bring. Right. And if you're not aware of it and you can't name it, then just the way that that marketing, the like behemoth machine of marketing is structured right now, you really risk perpetuating dominant paradigms. Absolutely. So you have to be so proactive about it, but it's really doable. And, but it's that intentionality out of the gate and that owning the stuff. Like, I mean, I've talked about this on other podcasts, but I, you know, I teach this graduate marketing course. And a couple of years ago, one of my students, God bless her, um, said, Hey, I know that you really care about diversity. I can feel that. And have you looked at the authors on the reading list? Oh, wow. Even the all white. Are so, yes. I get like choked up every time I tell that story. Cause it was, it was a moment and I had to say, no, I didn't see it. But I'm so glad that you are a person that they completely trust that they could come to you with that. Oh, such a blessing. Oh, my students are blessings in every way. I had this. So uh, speaking of inclusion, I want to be mindful of time and your time and listeners time and viewers time. But quickly, pronouns. Mm -hmm. I wasn't intending to go here, but I think it's really it feels related to me, which is we're having like, you know, an evolution of, you know, with they being a singular pronoun Right. And that actually that's more inclusive than the, you know, it used to be he, you had to pick he, she, them. And then there was the S slash slash H E right, kind of middle ground thing that happened for a while. Right. And I, as a writer, I'm like, oh my gosh, they is finally a singular pronoun. It's like, yay. <laughs> but it's little things like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking about like on LinkedIn profiles, just that attentiveness to the pronouns that you're using can also speak to like, I'm, I'm trying. Exactly. I get it. I'm trying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it should, yes. it, and as you said before, it should be authentic. So don't <laughs> do it if it doesn't feel authentic to you. Thank you, Deborah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because there are people for a variety of reasons, if we just stick with the pronoun example, they're like, I can't do it. They is plural. It's never going to be singular <laughs> for me. But what made me think about that is I had a student a couple of years ago uh, all my students are such gifts. I learned so much from them. And she was just, I mean, she was so lovely and gracious about, you know, she'd come up after class and be like, that was great. You know, I learned, I love this. I just thought I'd flag for you. There was a lot of gendered, you know, language today. And here's an example. And here's how in the future you might change that. 
That's amazing. But it's amazing that she took the time right? and she was willing. Oh, amazing. So I'm super blessed that way that I have my students who like. Absolutely. But yeah, but like I said, that speaks volumes about who you are too, that they feel comfortable doing that. Thank you. I appreciate that. All right. We've talked about a lot of different things. So what's one action, one action that you would recommend that people take? If you still have that blue default banner on your LinkedIn profile, <laughs> change it today. <laughs> I know that's that. Yeah. <laughs> that's so true. Yeah. And if not, if, and you, if you're already past the second step, then just this week work on up, um, optimizing or just, you know, making your LinkedIn profile more of a reflection of who you are and where you're going. Yeah. That little bit of bravery. Yeah. We need human. Now more than ever, we need human, right? Absolutely. So I close every single interview with the same question, um, which is about inspiration and motivation. So the root, the etymology of the word inspiration means to give breath. And then motivation is about action. So we need inspiration to take action. So Deborah, what inspires you and what motivates you to keep doing this work? What inspires me, and I never thought about it this way before, but what inspires me are people who are ready to give up that we may not have even met before, but something that we say or something that we do specifically on the online space creates this different world for them where they want to try again. So that inspires mm. me to keep on going. And what motivates me daily is I don't know. I just love what I do. I just love what I do. Um, the feedback that I get from people, um, the lives that, and I, ne I never necessarily think that I'm changing lives, but the, the worlds that I'm changing and the conversations that are changing based on what I put out there. Yeah. And the perspectives that are changing yeah, perspectives. and the access that you create and the connections that you create. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's, I think that's world changing. Yeah. <laughs> According to me. Thank you, Deborah, so much for being here. Deborah, AKA the LinkedIn black belt. Folks, of course you can find her on LinkedIn for sure. I so appreciate you being here today. I learned a ton. So thank you. It was like a, a mini, a mini masterclass for all of us. So, so appreciate you being here. Appreciate what you're doing and what you're sharing. You were very generous with your knowledge with all of us. So thank you. And of course, listeners and viewers, thank you for being here. And as always do good, be well, and we will see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Marketing for Good podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, subscribe, review, and share on Apple, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like more information about Claxon University, how to make more impact in and for your organization, or hiring me to speak or coach, go to klaxonmarketing.com or reach out at info at klaxonmarketing.com. Again, thanks for listening and thanks for making our world a better place.